It's Friday, friends, March 18th, past the halfway point of the month again. Where does the time go? Anyway, how are we? Good week? Are you well? I certainly, certainly hope so. If not, it doesn't matter. It's done. Put it in the past. You've got the weekend ahead. And more importantly, right now, you've got the Lincolnite podcast to listen to. Let's get into it. I'm going to repeat that name again. You're listening to the Lincolnite podcast with myself, Ronnie Byrne. As always, remember to share the show with your friends, your family, and everyone in between. You can shoot me an email at ronnie at thelincolnite.co.uk. If you've got something exciting going on, you want to talk about it, get in touch with your boy. I'm friendly. We'll sort something out. Anyway, moving on to the matter at hand, we have a sterling show coming up today, friends. I spoil you. I spoil you. I really, really do. I'm going to be joined by Nathan Wilson. He is the founder of Dad's Advocates. They're a Lincoln-based organization helping separated fathers retain access to their children. They give support to male victims of domestic abuse, re-educating and rehabilitating male perpetrators of domestic abuse. That's a big one. And campaigning for a change in legislation and societal attitudes towards fathers nationwide. He's going to be telling his story. It was a crazy conversation. And he's going to explain to me how Dad's Advocates came to be. I'm also going to be joined by Tom Ware. He is a farmer who is trying to open a dialogue and encourage people in the agricultural sector to speak about their mental health after a video he posted online urging people to open up and talk more about their feelings. It went viral and he was another delight to have on the show. Can't wait for you to hear that one. That sounded really sarcastic and I didn't mean for it to be. I do apologize. He was actually a really genuinely lovely fellow. We did have a great conversation. I am looking forward to you to you hearing it. Anyway, I'm also, also going to be joined today by Sally Keng and Laura Andrew, two Lincoln-based artists telling me about their collaborative exhibition Glimpse at the Sam Scora Gallery, the inspiration behind their work, and what it takes to be an artist, especially from Lincolnshire, in 2022. But first and foremost, I'm going to be talking to Miss Lincoln GB 2022, Jasmine Foley, founder of Raising Them Resilient. Now, Raising Them Resilient is a non-profit organization that provides resources to teach children the importance of positivity, confidence, and of course, resilience. So they can overcome and tackle issues like bullying and anxiety and everything in that sort of realm. I've said enough. Friends, Jasmine Foley. Jasmine Foley, how are you? Thank you for doing this. Hi, I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Also, looking back a little bit into the past, you were Miss Galaxy Island, so obviously, Slancher, happy St. Patrick's Day. Oh, yeah, I know. Thank you. It's it's really nice. been chatting to all my family over in Ireland this morning. They've all been sending um like happy saint patrick's day and stuff like that so it's been really nice do you have a lot of family over there do you yeah i do so my mum's from ireland so her uh, well like half of her side of the family are still over there in Mm. a little place called balanar right so we've immediately touched on miss galaxy island so we've, we've immediately gone into the pageants and i did want to ask straight off the bat how difficult is it balancing full time job pageantry and kids (laughs) (laughs) that's Um, that's a hell of a lot to take on so it it seems like quite a lot um and it can be at times i mean as soon as one thing falls out of line it seems to like domino effect onto everything else in my life (laughs) um normally i'm pretty good that i'm very organized um so i work as a digital marketing trainer and assessor um so um I do that only three days a week now since I've had my daughter. So that obviously helps. Um, And it's really nice that I've got um, good support in my mum with some childcare as well as going to nursery. Um, So I have that time for work. And then I'd say quite a bit of my free time goes into the pageantry. Mm. Um, But not really... The pageant stuff... um, In pageants, it's, it's what you make of it. I like to say so you know you can enter a pageant 
and so the finals in October and I could not really do much now until October if that's what I you know wanted to do and just go and enjoy the final and enjoy being on stage and all of those things um but it does give you a platform to be able to do good um and that is what I really like to make the most of with doing pageants so because I'm so passionate about the project that I'm doing raising the resilient it's it doesn't really feel like hard work to do that outside of my job. Um, so, yeah, really, whenever Mila has a nap, mm. we're still in the habit of a napping on me, which I haven't been managed to get her in the cot much <laughs> in the day. Um, but it does mean that I'm behind her back on my phone. So she's laid on me and I'm there, like, typing away. And that's where I do a lot of the a lot of the work that I need to do. I, you know, sort out emails, I'm making resources, I'm planning, and I do all of that while she's asleep. So it's just finding those little pockets of time, really. Like I said before we started, just parents, you're superheroes. I really don't know how you all do it. I genuinely don't. Am I right in thinking that you, you were crowned Miss Lincoln Great Britain after having a daughter? <laughs> Yeah, so um, I wasn't really sure if I was going to do pageants again uh, before I had her while I was pregnant. I kind of thought, okay, maybe that's the end of that. Um, I'd started doing pageants quite late. I, I think I was about 26 when I started and I was already married. So it was right. already a, very late um, really to start pageants. So it, it kind of felt like I wasn't quite done yet. I still had so much more to give. And so I... Uh, after I had her, I started thinking more about it and I thought, you know what? Um, I spoke about this as well on my social media about the fact that I think society's got this perception that you're changed as a person when you become a mum. Mm. And I kind of fell victim to that. I think when I was pregnant, I was thinking, like, once I'm a mum, I can't compete in a pageant. Like, that just, it doesn't fit with being a mum. Um, yeah. But I've realised since having her now that I just feel, you know, stronger more motivated i feel like more determined to meet my goals now than i ever have before um and then obviously having her sparked the idea for my project which is when i was then really like no come on i've got to do this now because i've got something that really means something and i think i can make a difference um so that's what made me decide like i'm gonna go for it like one last shot and go for a big one so i'm going for miss great britain so that's quite a big competition that is huge and just coming off that do you feel like you're doing it just from what you've said do you feel like you're doing it for your daughter as much as you're doing it for yourself because that's kind of what i'm picking up there if that makes sense yeah definitely mm. i think um there's quite a few kind of elements to it i guess that made me make that decision like i say when i had my daughter i started thinking about um the fact that so i had anxiety in my early 20s and i started mm. to think about how i could protect her um, you get all these crazy hormones when you have a baby. <laughs> and so all I would think about all all of the time, especially in those early days of having it, was like, I need to protect this child. I need to protect this child. It's mm. like this instinctual thing. Um, and it made me think like, oh, you know, one day she's going to go to school. Like, what if somebody's nasty to her? Like, oh no, I can't let that happen to her. And the thing is like, these things are going to happen. Like that's life. She's going to go out there and unfortunately she's going to have bad things that happen to her sometimes. Um, and I really wanted to try and do something that would pass on a lot of things that I've learned in life to her and to all other children as well, um, which is where Raising the Resilient, my project came from, which is really about teaching children the resilient skills so that when they do face these things in life that are kind of inevitable, then they're going to have the tools that they need to face them as well. Um, and then the other part of it with just me wanting to do it 
with having her is to show that like yeah i'm a mum now um but that doesn't put me in a box like just yeah. because i'm a mum it doesn't mean like you know now i have to just do mum things with other mums um <laughs> like i can go out and still do i'm still me as well um and if anything i feel more confident in who i am as a person um now that i've had her so i feel like yeah I'm just showing her that you can go out and just, you should do whatever goals that you have in life and really go for them regardless of, you know, any outside influences. So Raising Them Resilient, it's, it's resource. Am I right in saying it's resources for parents to sort of give to their kids to encourage them to well, be more resilient, you know, quite, quite obviously I should have silly thing for me to even say really, but you know, to help their confidence, <laughs> positivity, that kind of thing. Am I right in thinking that? Yeah, so it's the parents and teachers. Um, right. So I'd say the resources are aimed at around um, primary school age. Um, so I've been working with a, a clinical psychologist as well called Dr. Anna Simmons. She's from Elysian Psychology. Um, and when I started thinking about the project, I messaged her to just get a bit of advice, really, to see, like, you know, get put the feelers out there. What did she think of it? Like, is, is there a need for it? Um, and she absolutely loved the idea and she felt like there really was a need for it. Yeah. Um, so she's kindly sponsored me for the whole journey with Miss Great Britain and she's also sponsoring the project and she checks over all of the resources um, right. so I'm really really glad that I've got that because obviously I've got my own experiences and I'm a parent and I care about, I care about what I'm doing um, but to have that expert eye as well to look over the resources means that I'm def like definitely delivering the best that I can of what will really yeah. help the children for sure you know it's, it's great to have that support you know from anyone especially someone that really like you say knows what they're talking about just to just a dead cert everything would you say that the resources that you create are sort of the ones that you wish you'd had when you had your daughter yeah definitely i think um it's just things like i haven't come across anything like this um really not not formatted in the way that i've done um the resources that I've I've created um, and it's just about teaching them how to understand their feelings um, creating toolboxes uh, things that they can you know they can come up with a list of things that they can do if they ever feel sad or angry or making an actual actual physical box of things put a few of their favorite things in there that when they're having a bad day they can go and they can get it out and it's just about having ways of dealing with those emotions and being able to turn them around and feel more positive. Um, and I think it's something that I could have done with when I was at school. And mm. I definitely hope that things like this will be around for my daughter. And obviously I will be doing them with my daughter as she gets older as well. Well, that was another question I had. So in terms of raising them resilient, you know, it's still still fairly new, but I've I've had a flick through the Instagram. It is fantastic stuff. It really is, and I'm I'm saying that as a as a non-parent. So, what, not even where do you see it? Where do you want it to go? Do you want to continue with it? Do you want to start workshops? Do you want to go around schools? Like where where do you want raising them resilient to to be in? Call it a five year plan. So I made the reason I decided to make them as online resources is because there's kind of no end to the possibilities of where they can go. Mm. So, you know, in my eyes, anyone from across the world could come across the Instagram and they could go on the website and they could download the resources and use them with their children. And I, and I wanted it to be that nobody 
nobody had those barriers to accessing the resources yeah. as well so i think one of the things that i would really like to do and i've started contacting some places locally is getting to um different children's charities or children's centers and things like that where i can make sure that the resources are getting pushed out and are accessible by absolutely everybody regardless of your background um i think that's so important and also just yeah there's currently school visits being offered on the website so people can go on there and fill out a form to look at getting a school visit and i'm happy to go and deliver those i've been into schools and done workshops before with um children so i'm happy to do that um and yeah for me i would absolutely love for it to grow and grow and you know make it into a charity or a social enterprise and make it a much bigger part of my life if i was if it was possible to do that um but my main goal is just to help as many children as possible. So however that works out, I'll be happy with that. Well, it's it's an absolutely fantastic initiative. And yeah, just your energy behind it is fantastic as well. Jasmine, if people want to find out more about Raising Them Resilient, where can they go? Um, so we've got our Instagram, which is at Raising Them Resilient. Um, or there's my Instagram at jasminefoley.uk and people can message me on there as well about it. Um, and then we've got our website, which is www.raisingthemresilient.co.uk. Absolutely fantastic. Jasmine, thank you so much for doing this interview. I know you're not you're not 100% at the moment, but uh, no, really do appreciate it. Really appreciate the time. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. More than welcome. Thank you, Jasmine. Jasmine Foley, friends, a great initiative. Find more information about her work by going to at Raising Them Resilient on Instagram. So earlier in the week, I made my first ever trip to the Sam Scorer Gallery. If you don't know, the Sam Scorer Gallery is a space for artists to showcase and to sell their work. And I'll tell you another thing. It is lovely in there. It's absolutely lovely. It's really light, spacious. It's just a great place to visit. It's on Drury Lane. It's just outside the Castle Square. I fully recommend that you take yourself down there. I certainly, certainly recommend that you take yourself down there this weekend and catch the final days of Glimpse. Glimpse is an exhibition put on by Sally Keng and Laura Andrew. They are two Lincoln-based artists with two completely different styles. Sally's half of the exhibition focuses on Lincoln Cathedral being painted and created from a whole bunch of points around Lincoln, whereas Laura's work is mainly made up of creatures and birds. Both of their collections were just absolutely stunning. They were stunning, and I wish that I'd had the opportunity to speak to them and find out what inspires them. Oh wait, I did, and you can hear it now. So I'm at the Sam Scorer Gallery, joined by Sally King and Laura Andrews. Sally, pleasure to see you. Hello, thanks for coming. And Laura, pleasure to see you too. Hello, hope you enjoy what you see here. I mean, it's lovely so far. Um, Sally, just tell me, tell me what I'm seeing. Tell me about the, the exhibition. Right, well, Laura and I are both Lincolnshire artists and we've come together to create this um, exhibition we've named Glimpse. Um, it's all inspired by Lincolnshire and it is an exhibition of two halves because we're quite different artists. Um, I'm uh, landscape and Laura does more um, birds and creatures of Lincolnshire, which she will talk to you about. Um, but my side of it is based on looking at Lincoln from a 360 degree view. Um, so I have plotted eight compass points around the cathedral about a mile away and I've been and found all those compass points with a bit of difficulty I hasten to add um, and then stood on them and looked back at the cathedral and so my paintings are um, inspired by what I saw at those points. And where did the inspiration come from to 
to plot it on a compass and then go and paint those moments, if you will? Um, I did an exhibition last year um, in a small gallery at St Martin's Square in Lincoln and one of the paintings that was in the window uh, had a lot of interest and it was of the River Witham with the cathedral in the distance and a lot of people said to me oh how lovely it was to see the cathedral actually in a painting um, so I got thinking about it and I thought well it might be quite cool to have a look at the cathedral from lots of different angles so that's really where it came from yeah cool is right cool is right they are gorgeous and laura where, where does your inspiration come from from the paintings that i'm seeing there's a lot of a lot of birds i'm loving the splash if you want to explain the splash wow. to people that's uh, that's quite something uh well i've always uh, been a lover of the natural world and uh, i used to have always gone out into the countryside and um, bird watched and um, my father used to tell me about different birds that we'd see and actually showed me how to draw an owl when i was probably about five or six years old um, then the splash birds that you mention uh, they started in around 2019 uh, s s sort of by accident actually um, I was painting a blue tit and some of the watercolour splashed outside the the bird areas and my daughter actually said oh it's it's like a little splash it's like a splash bird and um, so I left it I left the splashes there and when the watercolour dried it created a really nice effect and at the time I was doing painting workshops from my studio here in Lincoln and one of my workshop attendees actually said, Laura, can I, can I buy that painting? So that was actually the first splash bird that sold. And I thought, do you know what, I'm going to start painting more like this. So over the past two years, I think I've painted about 30 splash birds. Mm. Um, there's only six originals remaining. All of the others now are hanging in people's homes. Right. And the splashes have got larger. I think they've evolved. Uh, but usually it's the splash that happens first and that dictates to me which bird it wants to become. Mm. So, you know, there's the splash of the kingfisher splash bird, for example. Uh, when I saw it, I thought, well, that really reminds me of the kingfishers I see when I'm out and about, right. um, when they dive for fish or when they emerge after catching a fish. So I do get through quite a few splashes right. <laughs> before I get the perfect splash. Yeah. But um, it's it's really exciting mm. and, and I love seeing them turn into our favourite birds. And also I think over the lockdowns over the last couple of years uh, people's interest of birds has increased mm. probably because they've been taking more notice of what's in their own gardens yeah. or going out for country walks so the the splash birds in particular have been quite popular with the general public and and i hope to do some more as soon as the exhibition's finished well, i certainly hope to see more they are absolutely lovely um sally when we spoke prior you mentioned this exhibit being an opportunity quote for people to have a tranquil space somewhere to feel inspired and uplifted do you think that spending time appreciating art is a good way to relax unwind and sort of clear your mind you know in a way 
I think it's been proven that cre any creative project is good for the mind. It focuses you on something and stops you perhaps worrying about other things going on in your life. Um, but the gallery in particular, it's a lovely, light, airy gallery. We've got normally got lovely background music, although we've turned it off for the interview. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yes, we have nice, tranquil music going on. And it's a, a lovely space to just come and spend a bit of time look at some brightly coloured paintings and see some of the natural world paintings that Laura's done as well. And um, the feedback we've had from people who've come here is that they've just felt very peaceful and happy and enjoyed looking at it. So I think that's got to be good. <laughs> I mean, yeah, as, as I said before, I've, I've never been in the Sam Scorer Gallery before and it's, it's borderline serene is probably how I'd describe it. Like you say, it's really light, spacious, airy, and as we said, that's kind of the environment you look for in somewhere inside at the moment. Um, I'll pass over to you, Laura, in the way that when you create art, do you feel that you get something out of it from a, a, a tranquil perspective, if you will? Sort of like a, not necessarily therapy, but something therapeutic about it. Um, when I, I think when I paint, I become totally absorbed in mm. what I'm painting. And the rest of the world just fades away for that time mm. um yes certainly very therapeutic although that doesn't mean that it, it isn't stressful sometimes <laughs> it doesn't always go how mm. you want it to you know there are some paintings that don't get shown yeah <laughs> or they get painted over <laughs> um, but most of the time it it is relaxing I really do enjoy it I'm I'm so grateful that I'm able to do work yeah. what what I enjoy doing indeed yeah yeah and the work thing the work thing's a question that came up earlier actually when we were discussing me coming down here and uh, seeing what you're up to so for any budding artists listening like how much dedication does it take to to, to make a sustainable living from this, to really make it what you do, if that makes sense. Uh, Either or, whoever, whoever wishes <laughs> think, to take it. I think we both, <laughs> we both to agree. Answer. It's very difficult. <laughs> I, th I think it's it's not easy mm. for creative people to shout about their own work, right? Because a lot of creative people are very sensitive people mm. and don't like. Um, to s tell people how good their work is because they feel like they're boasting right. and but you have to because if you don't shout about your work nobody will yeah. see it or know you exist um so you know social media is really important wouldn't you say sally definitely we both do a lot on social mm. media um that's very important but also i think we have fingers in pies we do lots of other things both laura and i have done teaching workshops for painting mm. and i do mixed media workshops so in order to turn it into a career as such you can't just paint and sell paintings nowadays i think you've got to do lots of things that are based around that and also at the gallery we've got um, cards for sale prints for sale smaller items so that anybody who comes to the gallery doesn't feel that they've got to buy a painting but they can take a memento of what they've seen if they like it in the form of a card yeah fantastic laura sally if people want to see more of your work where can they go laura i'll start with you please come and see us at the sam scorer gallery at the top of drury lane and you know have a chat with us we're both here now until sunday afternoon and and we'd love to see anybody that's interested in lincolnshire wildlife 
landscapes, you know, whatever we're doing, we're, we're happy to chat about it. And are you on Instagram? I am on Instagram. Um, my Instagram handle is lauraandrew.studio. Uh, Twitter, just Laura Andrew, and Facebook, Laura Andrew Art. And Sally, I'll throw the question back your way. Yes, I'm on Instagram. I'm just Sal Keng, or one word, and I'm on Facebook, but I don't do Twitter, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> Laura, Sally, thank you ever so much. It's been, it's been wonderful. Thank, thank you for you. coming. Sally Kang and Laura Andrew there, friends. Those Instagram accounts, again, are at lauraandrew.studio and at Sal Kang. An absolutely lovely pair. Go and catch a glimpse this weekend at the Sam Scorer Gallery. It was fantastic. Thank me later. Did you enjoy my voice in that one? Out of interest. I just bolted it up the hill, so I was a little bit husky during the interview. It was nice, right? The Lincolnite tries ASMR. That's all I'm going to say. Right, moving, <laughs> moving on. I've been a busy boy this week. No? Goodness me, I certainly, certainly have. We ended up with a bit of a mental health theme, almost by accident, so I absolutely wanted this next man on the show. His name is Tom Ware, he is a farmer, and he recently uploaded a couple of videos to Facebook. He was basically encouraging people that work in agriculture to open up about how they're really feeling. You know, it can only be a good thing. Rather fittingly, Tom came on the show and he did our interview from behind the wheel of his tractor. He was pulled up. He was pulled up by the side of the road. Keep your hair on. We had a great chat. He's a great guy. Friends, Tom Ware. Tom Ware, it's great to see you. I see you're, uh, are you sat in a tractor at the moment? Yeah, I am, yeah. That is fantastic. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. So a video that you put online has had hundreds of shares, thousands of views. If you could just tell myself and everybody listening about that video, that would be grand. Um, so in January on New Year's Eve, um, my friend Len um, took his own life um, and from that I didn't really see a great deal of support or anything on sort of like farming mental health awareness. Um, so I thought, right, I'll make a, a quick video just sort of addressing it. So I made the first video, I had a bit of quite a few views, quite a few shares, quite a good sort of um, footprint um, sort of on social media. And then recently, I just had the sort of idea to do another one um, and included some really big name, well-known farmers uh, from all over the UK and Ireland. Um, and the response has been incredible. So, yeah, I was going to ask about the response. Do you, do you sort of feel like with this, you've you've tapped into something that wasn't spoken about in the agricultural industry? It was spoken about, but not as much. I've um, been in contact with the FCN, which is the Farming Community Network, um, and they're a big... Um, well, just set up um, a big mental health awareness sort of campaign for farmers. And they're um, quite keen to work with me and other people to see if we can push it further and, and such. Um, and obviously big name farmers sharing it. So people are seeing it and more people are seeing it, um, which is absolutely ideal. And uh, yeah, like I say, the response has just been incredible. Yeah. That, do you think when it comes to the general public, people outside of the industry that you work in, do you think there's a bit of a misconception surrounding you guys, you know, because we're Lincolnshire and, you know, big farming community for, for decades and decades. And it's this idea of big burly blocks that you don't get sad, you just crack on with jobs. Do you know what I mean? Do you think yeah. there's a misconception around that? There is definitely um, a misconception of, so like, like you say, people think, right, farmers, big, outgoing people don't crack. But at the end of the day, like myself um, and a lot of my friends, a lot of people that I know, put a lot of hours in for not a lot of um, sort of thanks or anything from the general public. 
So, I mean, today, driving down the road, I've had no end of abuse from the general public. I'm out here hauling compost at the minute for the fields to grow the crops, um, for their Weetabix in the morning, for their um, hops, for their uh, beers and stuff. And people just don't think. I think, obviously, people need to be more educated, I I think, is the way of putting it, um, on sort of like where the food comes from. It just doesn't turn up in the co-op or Tesco or wherever you shop um, but it's actually farmed by us. And mm. the fact of sitting behind us for five or ten minutes, sort of that could help your life moving forward, but they just don't think. Which yeah. I think and then they don't, they don't realise that abuse has a bit of a knock-on effect because you think, well, I'm out here working and getting hassled for it, um, which obviously isn't ideal. Um, and putting long hours in with no sort of like well, thank you or whatever and people were just like yeah whatever we bought it from the shelf it was on the shelf we don't need farmers holding up the road we don't need the we don't need the cows and the methane killing the atmosphere which is just complete nonsense but yeah. people are like that and they just obviously need more education I think well that's what I was going to say you think it's a matter of educating the general public as yeah, opposed exactly. to yeah Really, yeah, yeah. And, and in terms of like the misconceptions that do exist how, how do you think we can go about getting rid of that squashing those misconceptions if that makes sense how would we is that another education thing you think yeah I think definitely educating more in schools mm. um, about farming because in school myself we didn't really learn a great deal about British farming we learned a lot about sort of like the foreign cultures on farming and geography and how they farm but we didn't really learn about what's put into it on UK soil um, or um, when you're doing your driving test, for instance, how to handle properly sitting behind a tractor and how to properly overtake one. You don't get any of that. So That's people true, actually. Need, that is true. Yeah. Um, people go, right, yeah, it was like a lorry. These things take a lot of stopping. And I've yeah. had no end of people pull out on me. I know people that have had crashes because someone's pulled out on them and, and it does end up quite messy sometimes. Um, but yeah, people just need, like I say, that education. Yeah, definitely. So, so going back to the to the mental health aspects, like, what are your plans moving on? I know, obviously, it was like a video to get people talking, but do you have anything yeah. else in the pipeline that you want to do in terms of education, in terms of squashing misconception, in terms yeah, of getting yeah. people in your industry to talk? Um, well, currently, I'm sort of in talks with the uh, farming community network about sort of maybe doing a couple of fundraisers, like intercounty. Mm young farmers, um, rugby matches, football matches, um, a rally, um, tractor runs. Just There's a lot of cards on the table at the minute for just sort of ways to bring people together. Um, there's a big show coming up in May, which is Lama, and that is a big farming show at the NEC in Birmingham. And there'll be big companies and a hell of a lot of people there. So hopefully going to that, I'll be able to talk to people and sort of sort of get the word out so the big companies get involved and they share it because obviously you've got magazines like Farmers Weekly um, apparently that's in the pipeline through the Farming Community Network um, radio um, skits and such like here and there and just sort of widen the awareness for more of the general public Mm. if anything that's fantastic work that you're doing my friend it's a, it's a very important cause as well getting people talking about those sorts of things keep us in the loop with it all uh, do let us know about the events that are taking place we'll uh, we'll do what we can with them as well Tom Ware thank you yeah. so much and good luck with everything in the future my friend cheers thank you appreciate it brother take care cheers cheers 
thank you again to Tom Ware for coming on the show. A fantastic message there, really emphasizing the importance of speaking about what's going on inside your mind and opening up when you need to. It goes for everybody, friends. If you need to talk, please talk. Please find that hope. Don't let it sit and bubble up inside you. We're all human, right? We're all human. You've got this. My final guest today. Well, he gave me a seriously fascinating conversation. And I mean a seriously fascinating conversation. He also gave me a lot of insight into a world that I really knew nothing about. His name is Nathan Wilson. Now, Nathan started an organization named Dad's Advocates. Their primary goal is to help fathers create safe and consistent relationships with their kids by reducing parental conflict and building solid co-parenting strategies. He also deals with male domestic abuse from both a victim and a perpetrator perspective. Interesting, right? That word perpetrator? Don't worry, I ask all about that. I really, really wanted to know about that. His story is crazy, the company is great, and the conversation was fantastic. Let's waste no more time, friends. Nathan Wilson of Dad's Advocates. Nathan from Dad's Advocates, how are you doing, my friend? I'm all good, thank you. How are you, mate? I'm very well, my friend. I'm very well. Thank you for asking. I'll start very simply. What is Dad's Advocates? So Dad's Advocate, it is a charity where we help dads uh, get meaningful consistent contact with their children through the court process and we also try and challenge the attitudes and behaviors and gender inequalities in the court and then we also uh, are a domestic abuse victim support program and a perpetrator support course program so what what made you start dad's advocates so uh, personally i was a victim of domestic abuse uh, i was abused by my ex-partner. I was threatened not to see my children if I left her. I was controlled emotionally, mentally, uh, financially. Uh, and then one day after a couple of years, I decided to leave her and she told me I wasn't seeing the kids unless I paid her for them, even though she was getting 96 pound a week in CSA. So uh, fast forward a couple of years, I decided one day I knew she was in a pub with my children so I walked into the pub picked my children up and walked out with them uh, went to my mum and dad's house uh, and after about an hour there was a knock at my mum and dad's door it was the police uh, and they told me because I was a man and I was a dad that I shouldn't have the kids with me they had to be returned to the mum straight away <laughs> so within that hour as well I had hundreds of missed calls text messages from her her mum and dad her friends saying that if I didn't return the kids I'd never see them again they'd make up false allegations so that I'd be in prison and I'd never see them again uh, so yes yeah, so I had to return the children so then after about another couple of months we decided right that's it I've done the depressed mode, I've done the suicidal mode. I dropped down from 13 stone to seven stone. And as a 31 year old man, seven stone ain't, ain't no weight to be at all. Uh, so I decided I was gonna start corp, corp proceedings to get access to my children. Uh, and after 17 court cases, plenty of false allegations like where I'd sexually abused in front of the children, one of them I hit her over the head with a sledgehammer. Uh, obviously all these were false and it was proven that so the police actually managed to get me two non-molestation orders against my ex-partner and I was finally awarded custody of my children. So 
uh, after about after about three years of having my children live with me, I've decided it's time to help other dads out and give back to them. Yeah. I'm a bit lost for words, Nathan. I'm not going to lie to you. Wow. Um, when did you when did you start this this scheme? Uh, so I started Dad's Advocate uh, back in October, November last year. Uh, I started as just a coaching company to be able to help dads get the consistent, meaningful contact with the children. Um, and it wasn't until uh, about four weeks ago I decided to change to a CIC. So we community interest company so I'm now a registered charity uh, and then I've decided no time to help demo, uh, domestic abuse victims males because there's no programs out there there's no help out there uh, don't get me wrong Lincoln I've got a good support network for the females but obviously males don't really come forward uh, so yeah and top of your head how many how many dads or, or just men do you think you've helped so far uh, so since October I've probably helped about uh, about 20, not just in the UK, uh, Canada and America as well. So, yeah. <laughs> That's insane. So, so something that I picked up on while reading through the values and beliefs on your website. And uh, would you agree that Dad's Advocates is just as much about helping kids as it is as, you know, helping dads and helping parents? Yeah, 100% because uh, your children are your children. They've always got to be the forefront of everything you do. So, you know, it, it's important that your children have both parents in their lives. Mm. But unfortunately, when you separate from your partner, things get a bit sour, uh, a lot of emotions are involved, and people start start using the children as pawns. Uh, so it's, it's about making sure that you know what to do, what to say, make sure that you're, you're focused on the child rather than trying to get vengeance on the your ex-partner. So something that I did want to ask is, obviously you mentioned you've got the, the domestic abuse program, um, but you have a perpetrator course. This was something that really fascinated me. So that is for people that are domestic abusers or spiraling into that kind of thing. If you could expand on that a bit, because that, that really stood out to me. I was like, that, I've never seen anything like that. Oh yeah, so uh, you're not the first person to ask this question. <laughs> you know, many people are saying, well, you're helping dads, you're helping the victims. Why are you helping people that are the perpetrators that do the abuse? Uh, what you've got to understand is, we go through a cycle in life, and if you've been a victim yourself, nine times out of 10, you will become a perpetrator. It's because that's your mentality and that's your mindset. So the idea is, if we can't help them before they become a perpetrator, it's to help them early on in the perpetrator stage so they break the cycle so they know that it's not right it's not normal behavior as such no matter what's gone on in the past life you know you can't continue to do this uh so yeah <laughs> so, so how does that work do you sort of make them recognize that what they're doing is i, I wouldn't know how to wrap my head around it do, do you know what i mean like as, <laughs> as an outsider looking in it's yeah it, it's fascinating it's not a bad thing at all but it, it is interesting yeah, it's, it's about making them realise what they're doing is wrong, making them uh, accept what they're doing is wrong, making them realise that, you know, you can't do that, you can't behave like that. Mm. Uh, you, you know, because <clears throat> obviously domestic abuse isn't just hitting someone. So a lot of perpetrators will say, well, I've never, I've never hit her. Mm. But have you controlled the money? Have you emotionally abused her? Have you mentally abused her? And it's about making sure that 
psychologically as well mm. uh, that they realise that you know all these different ways of abusing someone is still domestic abuse. Yeah. Uh, and because a lot of the time, obviously males get this stigma of just being the perpetrator, and it's always the females that are the victims. Uh, but what you've got to realise is one in three men are abused, are the victim. Wow. Uh, only 15% of them actually talk about it. Right. So 15% of victims even talk to their friends about it, not just to someone professionally, but just anyone. Just anyone. Wow. And out of that 15%, only 4.4% actually get any help for it. So, so that's where I want to come in. <laughs> so in steps dad's advocate, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so basically, uh, just to sort of round that bit, oh, it's about humanising these people as opposed to demonising them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 100%. You hit the nail on the head there. I'm going to use that. <laughs> <laughs> heard it here first, friends. Heard it here first. So to, to wrap up, you set this up late last year. You're now charity-based. What does the future look like for, for dad's advocates, my friend? The future is, well... <laughs> <laughs> Domination, <laughs> world domination. <laughs> so ba basically now it's about, uh, so we're starting the courses hopefully in April. The courses are all written, I've written them myself because there's nothing out there for the males and obviously males are different to females, their mental state, their different idea perspectives on things. So I've had to write it from a male perspective. Uh, so now we just need to get some funding in place because obviously we don't want to be char charging victims to come forward and say, I've, I've been a victim, here's some money. So we want it to be self-funded by the charity or local authorities. So now it's about getting funding, trying to get fundraising done. Uh, you, you know, we've got little money boxes to put in shops. So if there's anyone out there that could help fundraise, uh, put a money box somewhere, just get the name out there, be 100% be well appreciated. That's awesome, my friend. And if anyone's listening, they've related to anything that you've said or the conversation we've had, where can they find more information about what you do? So we've got a website, it's uh, dadsadvocate.com, or you can even put dadsadvocate.co.uk. I've got both domains. Nice. We're on, <laughs> we're on Instagram at, at dadsadvocate, on Facebook, dadsadvocate. So yeah, just everywhere and anywhere. You got that dadsadvocate name locked down. <laughs> Nathan, you're the man. Thank you ever so much for joining us today and good luck with everything in the future. Much appreciated. Thank you very much for your time. What a guy, honestly. Humanising over demonising. I love it. Nathan and I spoke for about an hour. He's a genuinely fantastic bloke. It was a real pleasure having him in the studio. The man has been through the ringer, but just what an initiative, man. Dad's Advocates on Facebook, dadsadvocates.com. If you need his help, you know where to go. That pretty much wraps up today's show, friends. Yet another week behind you. Next time we talk, it'll almost be time for the clocks to change. Brighter days and warmer weather. They are en route, friends. They are en route. We are almost there. Remember, if you've got anything going on, you can hit me at ronnie at thelinkonite.co.uk. Remember to share the show with your friends, your family, and everyone in between. And we'll see you same place, same time next week. Take care.